0: Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started.
1: Jens Ulrich Hörg is essentially the blood origins of Europe. He's a Swede that has decided to take on the anti-hunting establishment, especially out of the UK. He writes letters to the tabloids, calls them out. One of his favorite subjects is a guy called Eduardo Konkalves. You see, Eduardo wrote three books. The one that we talk about is a book called The Killing Game in which Jens decides to debunk all of the anti-hunting, quote-unquote, facts. And as you'll find out, he speaks the truth and debunks the lies. Well, there we are. We're rolling. And uh, what time is it in Sweden right now? It is uh, 15.26 in the afternoon. Is it fear
0: o'clock yet? Sorry, Is it beer what? o'clock
1: yet? Uh, for me, beer o'clock during holidays like this is around 11. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. It's amazing. Well, this is the first time we're actually getting to sit down and chat with each other. I know that we interact a lot through social media and absolutely, we, uh, we are on the same path in terms of conveying the truth around hunting. And I'm certainly excited about today's conversation because it's all about the truth right
0: yeah it is it is all about the truth i mean this is this has become my my job it used to be my hobby for several years mainly in scandinavia only but now since one and a half years back it has become a part-time job for me to just dig into the facts and 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 try to find the truth and try to convey that truth to all the um non-hunters and hunters alike because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there um there's a lot of propaganda campaigning going on against us and uh, we in i represent a small scandinavian uh hunting club called nordic safari club and it's not it's not uh, um Affiliated with any of the American clubs. Actually, it was started around the same time in, in seventy two, but it's obviously a lot smaller since we are a lot fewer people here. So we are about two thousand five hundred members. But uh, this club hired me one and a half years ago just to 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 get into that fight, um, and actually spent some working hours
1: doing that. And it, it's a dream job for me. I, I I like that. Well, I've done a very poor job of introducing you. But everyone can hear that you're not from America, you're from Sweden and Scandinavia. So, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Jens?
0: Yeah, my name is uh, Jens Fulakru. I am uh, turning 50 next year, this year, actually. Wow. Um, I've been a hunter since I was 16 years old. I've been doing a lot of freelance writing for uh, Scandinavian hunting magazines. And four or five years ago, I started to try to explain. Hunting to non hunters, mainly in Scandinavian newspapers and Scandinavian TV stations. And that was my, my way into the job I have now, where I, I, I try to do this more or less professionally, at least part time. Um, so so uh, I'm writing less and less about uh, hunting and guns, which I used to do all the time for the hunting magazines, and more and more about the facts behind hunting and nature conservation, the consequences of hunting, which I think are the only thing that matters. I think that this public debate is almost focusing entirely on whatever people feel about our perceived motives to go hunting, which honestly I think is nobody's business. I mean, um, because it has nothing to do with the actual consequences of hunting which is everybody's business because that's that's the whole nature conservation part of it so um now as i said before i have an interesting job and, and lately that job led me to uh, to go through 800 pages of of this there's three books three very similar books and and they are extremely similar because you know a lot of the chapters are basically Copy-pasted from one book to another. I suspect that he'd get three books just to sell more books and to mm. to seem a little bit more serious. Now there's three books behind this campaign to ban trophy hunting. His name is, and I, I only learned to pronounce his name right actually two days ago. His name is Eduardo Gonzalez. I used to call him Gonzalez, but uh, no, it's Gonzalez. Um, and he is a British Portuguese campaigner. He calls himself campaigner, which is pretty honest, actually, because he's definitely not a scientist. He has no practical experience with nature conservation or hunting or anything like that. But he's running this very popular, unfortunately, very popular campaign against trophy hunting in um, in the UK, mainly. And he has been extremely successful in placing all these so-called facts uh, from, his, uh, from his books into especially British newspapers. But it actually spreads out a little bit, so it's not only British newspapers. It turns up, um, when it when it's finished its rounds in, in the UK, it turns up in Germany and Scandinavia and a little bit all over the place. And a lot of this information it comes from complete lack of knowledge about how things work. Um, and a lot of it comes from a very vivid imagination. Uh, because a lot of this is is simply made up. I mean there's there's no way to tell how how did that thought enter his head because there's no sources to, to support this information. So <clears throat> actually um, I started I, I bought the books. Which was painful. Painful experience, you know, to actually pay money to that guy. Um, these books are printed on demand in, in Las Vegas. Um, there's no page numbers in them.
1: Are you there's, no, there's no page there's numbers, no numbers page. in the entire uh, no, book?
0: No, nothing. I had to, so I read them all. Um, the reason I know that there's approximately 800 pages is that I literally measured. 25 pages. And then I measured the books and said, oh, calculation, it must be around 800 pages. So I picked the most coherent of them. Um, as I said before, the content in every book is very, very similar. So I, I picked the one with the most coherent content and, and, and chose to, to, uh, to analyze that and 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 to to mock up you know with, you see all the postage stickers here and, and mark everything up and, and fact check everything that looked fishy well, a, about, just one
1: one one second for a so for yeah? some context here um yeah. it's the, the book that we're talking about is it's called the killing game the main book is called the killing game yeah and this guy has you know it's almost a symptom of society against that this guy has a platform, he has a loud mouth and he's decided to spew all this nonsense, untruths, mm-hmm. onto these platforms and everyone just believes it. Nobody stops yeah. for a second and says, Hey, let me um let me just uh, see if you're even saying a, a vested you know of, of truth in, in what you're what you're trying to do here. It's almost like somebody I saw a post uh since we're recording this on April the second. I saw something on April the first being April Fool's Day, and someone says April Fool's Day the only day that people fact check news articles yeah. that come out over the <laughs> news. Page. Isn't that that's sad that's a hard truth to
0: say. Yeah.
1: It's yeah, just so it, sad, just,
0: right? It is sad. And and what's make what makes this even more sad is that I must admit, hands down, that this guy has been a lot better at building a positive relationship with British press and British politicians than we on the pro-hunting side. Um, So he has a lot of allies, and and these newspapers, even serious newspapers like The Guardian, The Times, that kind of non-tabloid newspaper, are more or less uncritically just publishing this stuff without fact-checking and 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 again if you have just a little bit of of background knowledge there's a lot of these uh, claims that you will immediately say well ah this cannot be true and it's it's not that difficult to fact check I, I i was actually surprised that 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 none of the uh, bigger hunting organizations did that a year ago um but now I did it, and it's, it's just as we expected. It's, it's just disorganized rubbish. It's 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 really like I, I, as I, I said to um, I said to Charlie Jacoby the other day, fieldsport channel. It's it's almost like if you imagine somebody firing a battery of fireworks into a kindergarten and just waiting to see what happens. That's how organized this is. I mean, it's just shooting in all directions. Um, And and there's no, there's no structure and there's no, the the only thing that is is the same throughout all the books is that I've come to learn that everything here is basically lies. Everything written in these books are basically only written if he thinks that it might hurt trophy hunting. And mind you, to this guy, every, every kind of hunting is trophy hunting. He never defines what he actually means by trophy hunting, which is also a little bit peculiar, considering that he is the head of a campaign to ban trophy hunting. So what exactly is it that he wants to ban? Well, when you read the books, it's everything involving killing wild animals. Because according to him, culling uh, feral pigs in Texas is trophy hunting. According to him, Trophy hunters made the passenger pigeon extinct in the 1800s. Um, everything is trophy
1: hunters. Right. Yeah. Well, let's get into the fun part. And I know yeah. that uh, based on all your research and all the, the, the post it notes and whatnot, you have decided to debunk some of the so called truths yeah. in this guy's book. And uh, we're going to help you in that we feel like we can do a couple of proof videos to the to the truths that you have right. debunked which is good absolute crazy good proof so yeah. um why don't i just turn it over to you and i know we've you've, you've sent me six so why don't we just yeah. start with your favorite one out of the six first and we'll go through a couple
0: yeah okay so i think my favorite one is is uh, is is the claim that in one year alone american hunters were allowed by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to import 79 chimpanzee trophies, hunting trophies, from the Cameroon.
1: Oh, just make sure that every, everybody got that. Chimpanzees, because yeah. that's so, what's sold at SCI every year, right? Right.
0: So they got uh, import permits for 79 chimpanzees in one year alone, as you write. I, I'm reading this. and uh, I read it again and think, uh, chimpanzees. It says chimpanzees so um i get in touch with a few people who works with sight permits in the us and and everybody's immediately saying to me well that's a clerical error it must be um because nobody's hunting chimpanzees nobody has been hunting chimpanzees legally for decades um and we we go a little bit deeper into this and 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 we, I found out that there's actually only one record, um, and it is 79 chimpanzees hunting trophies going from the Cameroon to the US in 2007. And it's labeled as a hunting trophy. <laughs> yes, which is fairly recently. So I get in touch with this, this uh, US guy who works with the CITUS permit in the US. And he says, well, whenever you want a CITUS import permit for an endangered animal into the US, no matter what the purpose is, um, you need to publicize the application for that permit according to the uh, Endangered Species Act.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so,
0: so it's, it's public information whether or not anybody has applied for a permit. And he immediately just finds that application for chimpanzee trophies from, not trophies, chimpanzee scientific samples from the Cameroon Going into the U.S. in 2007, so we found those 79 chimpanzees, and of course, they were scientific samples for research. Um, so that that turned out to be pretty easy. So immediately, I go on to the next one.
1: It was labeled as a trophy hunt hunting. It was, was it it in sites, right?
0: Exactly. So so so, you know. Many, many CITES professionals have explained this to me. There's more than 17 million records in the CITES database. So, whenever somebody is exporting or importing any species that are on these appendixes in, in CITES, you basically have to enter that into the database. So, there's a lot of room for clerical errors. Actually, Gonzalez himself. Uh, uh, at one point in this book writes something like he discovers that there are discrepancies in two thirds of all the um, elephant CITES records where both the exporting and the importing nations have entered a record so they rarely agree how many trophies were exported and how many trophies were imported um, so there's a lot of of room for misinterpretation, interpretation, and there's a lot of room for errors, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next, and I mean, a lot of 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 the really juicy claims in these books are based on CITUS and the CITUS database. Um, so the next one I looked into was that he claims and and. And he's backed up by Dr. Jane Goodall, who is basically the Mother Teresa of of nature conservation. Right. She wrote the foreword to this, and she agrees with him on on a lot of
1: these points. How do you think that I even happened, her. right? That she actually wrote the foreword to this without even, because she is she's a re, you know a very renowned scientist. Has worked yeah. all across Africa, and it is it was it. You know, dare we say it? Was it simply a money thing? Was it a? I'm not going to read this, but I'm going to do you a favor and write a letter and just slap it wherever you want. That's crazy for Jane Goodall to, to just do something yeah. like that without any semblance of what am I writing this letter for? And has anyone just d- double checked what this this exactly? Thing
0: is? Because because some of these claims are outrageous. I mean, Jane Goodall has been working with chimpanzees for a lifetime. So so how? How can she not stop at that information that U.S. hunters have shot seventy-nine chimpanzees for hunting trophies in two thousand and seven? She must. There must be some bell ringing. I know that Jane Goodall, on a personal level, really, really dislikes hunting. She said mm-hmm. that many times, and I, I, I respect that. It's it, it's her right to have that opinion, but I cannot respect that she. With the scientific background she has, and with with that scientific credibility, uh, promotes obvious lies like this. Then, then it's 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 just. And I do not care what kind of status she has. That's just simply not okay. So, so, so the the, the next one, which is is clearly Jane Goodall's favorite, is that um, in Zambia. They have. Uh, monkey breeding ranches
1: oh, that was a good one.
0: <laughs> yeah so so in Zambia they are breeding vervet monkeys for trophy hunting that's the claim and again just like with the chimpanzees I stop and I think ah. you know I've, I've been to I've been to southern Africa maybe 30 times over the last 10 years you come from South Africa. We, we all know that there's a lot of vervet monkeys and they are not welcome basically anywhere.
1: Well, it's almost like it's the yeah, pest it that is. hangs around the lodge. It's the pest that hangs exactly. around the chalets. that will steal yeah. your food. Uh, yeah. They're just a ubiquitous, very, you know, can live in that urban-rural interface very, very easily, right? Exactly. And, and, and I, I
0: know and I realize that many Westerners Sees any monkey as a sort of a, a little human being because of their resemblance to us, but to people living in southern Africa, it's a pet pest much like rats are to to people living in the UK. I mean, they are poisoned, they are shot, they they are considered a pest. Um, so typically, if you are hunting in southern Africa and you come across vervet monkeys, um, and you ask the uh, PH, "Am I allowed to shoot one?" He will laugh at you, and he says, "If you don't, uh, you will have to buy me beer or something like that." Because they really want typically that population reduced. So there's no there's no money in that species for hunting tourism whatsoever. It's just a pest species, like more or less like jackals and baboons and, and stuff like that. And that's just how it is. In, in 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 relation to, to to the whole money flow in, in the hunting tourism industry. so the claim that somebody would on purpose read a pest animal that will bring in no money is ridiculous so i went into the wildlife database to check that and there was one 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 single record of a vervet monkey ever being traded in the world ever uh As uh, a captive red hunting trophy. But it was not from Zambia, as they both claim in this book. It was from South Africa, because you know, as being from South Africa, that this
1: two letter country code for South Africa is ZA. No, Jan, ZA stands for Zambia. <laughs> no,
0: it doesn't. And, and Gonzaz didn't know that either and and I just wonder, what about all the other information that pulled from that database? I mean Zambia has a lot of a lot of of stuff to answer for now, also regarding captured bred lions and what have you they must have if he thinks that everything labeled said a ZA Zambia, then then and um, we have a problem um, and and again I mean. There's, there's no way that anybody would start a monkey breeding ranch to breed monkeys that are worth nothing and sell one in twenty one years i mean wh- wh- how, how how does that idea um i mean i mean this is just
1: sounds like the truth
0: yeah ridiculous it is just ridiculous and and there's so many claims here then then I looked into the um Give me one more yeah one more uh likes to likes this narrative about um evil white western trophy hunters um being the cause of of animals going extinct so uh he said well during the heydays of the british empire evil trophy hunters from the uk made the blaubock and the Quacker extinct in south africa so I, I look into this once again the blaubock became extinct in 1799 or 1800
1: south Isn't africa that before was it africa. got colonized
0: yes it is south Ar- it, it was colonized but by the dutch it was not a part of the british empire it didn't become a part of the british empire before a few years later. So the British Empire can be blamed for a lot of stuff, but not for the extinction of Blauburg. Furthermore, these these Dutch settlers, they came there in, in 1652. There were hardly any Blauburgs when they arrived because the habitat for Blauburg were disappearing naturally, and because the close relative of the Blauburg, the uh, Rowan, was moving in from the north. So there was, a very, very small population to begin with and they shut these animals. End of story. Let me move on a few years to the quokka. Um,
1: now for those said, who don't know what a quokka is, can you just a give quaker,
0: a... A quokka uh, was for many years believed to be a species on its own. It's, it's a horse-like creature. Um, you could say it's a brown zebra with stripes on only the front part and, and, and a more solid brown on back part, of the animal. Um, and for many, many years, people believed that this was a separate species because it looked so much different from a regular zebra. But we, but we know from genetic research that a quokka is basically a um, subspecies of a regular plain zebra. So it's a color variation, you could say. And it lived in the southern part of what is nowadays South Africa and and it was hunted to extinction by by the early south africans it was shot for food it was shot for uh, skins and, and um, it disappeared the last one was shot in the wild probably in 1878 but it was shot in the orange free state which was not a part of the british empire I, I, and I'm, I'm i'm sure you can testify to that as being a proud south african that mm-hmm. The Orange Free State did not become a part of the Empire until the end of the Boer War, which was in 1902. So again, you can blame the British Empire for a lot of things, but not for the extinction of the Quackers in the wild.
1: And now think about it, those, those animals, you know, like a Blobock, like a quaha in those yeah. time periods, no yeah. one is looking at it, quote unquote, as a trophy, right? Those animals are being looked at as food, plain and simple. Like we're feeding our families, yeah. we're feeding the troops, essentially, yeah. with all the wars that are happening. Exactly. And and also as a
0: competitor to livestock. Oh,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, they, yeah.
0: They needed land for their for their sheep and for their goats and for their cattle. And everything that ate grass just got wiped out. And and, and we did the same all over the Western world. We were just two hundred years ahead of 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 South Africa because for obvious reasons um we were here for a longer time than, than than Europeans were in South Africa so it's it's just happened all over the western world we just got rid of all the wild competition we had and we ate it right simple as that so
1: Jens um you know wh- what's what do we do right i know that you have You've done a lot of work. I do. We do at Blood Origins. We push out video after video after video, just constantly. You know, it's almost like, to me, it's almost like we just have to keep pushing this avalanche of content against, Mm -hmm. you know, the the masses. What are your thoughts? To you know, what are we looking like in the next five years? Because it certainly has amped up, right? Things have really amped up in the last twelve months, eighteen months. What's next?
0: What I'm, re- what I'm really hoping for is that somebody within the scientific community will actually pick up on, 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 on this material here, because in the U.K., these books uh, has been treated somebody said they're treating them more or less like the stone tablets handed down to them from deity above. Um, these books have been sent out to every single member of parliament in the UK. So this is the information they presently have. We as a hunting community have been sleeping a little bit. And let's be honest, they are not very interested in, in our take on it at all. Because we are not unbiased. But I know that there is a lot of of conservation scientists who take an interest in. Not defending hunting, but defending using hunting uh, tourism as a tool, as an incentive for nature conservation, because they know it works. Um, so I'm really hoping some of these scientists that are not hunters will pick up on this and, and take a hard, factual look at these books and write something about the actual uh, value of, of, of the facts in this rush. Because that would make a difference because we need to get into the mainstream press with this message. And and I'm going to try for sure. The next thing I'm going to do after I I reach 15 or or, or, or 20 um, debunked facts is that I'm going to write an open letter to Jane Goodall. But I seriously doubt I'm going to try, but I seriously doubt that any of the big British newspapers will, will touch it because it's not popular janguru is popular hunting is not popular Uh, so 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 this is this is the uh, challenge we're facing all the time but but i've decided to be extremely stubborn and and just carry on hammering because these these lies are so twisted and so obviously fabricated that everybody who Sits down and actually reads the evidence for and against will agree with us. It's 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 not that that it's it's word against word. It's it's that it's um, it's just yeah made up bullshit basically, yeah. and it's very easily rejected.
1: Yeah, I think the stubbornness <laughs> is. <clears throat> you know, it's almost like it's needed, right? We need to be stubborn. We need to wake up every morning. And even though we're tired and we feel like we got beaten down yesterday, it's digging yeah. our heels in, putting our shoulder that's got a freshly uh, scabbed over wound that gets pushed <laughs> up against the stone again and yeah. pushing it against the stone every day. And if, you know, I, I look at it this way. Um, if... If we just, if we don't do it, Vince, if you mm. and I, Blood Origins, all the guys out there pushing the stone, if we decide to put our hands up and go, we're tired,
0: mm. who else is doing it? Nobody will. At least nobody has been doing this historically. And I'm, I'm not diminishing the, the efforts made by some of the big hunting organizations, but their approach is way different than ours because they're doing a lot of legal stuff they're doing a lot of um, with the politicians
1: which is forever. super critical super critical
0: absolutely but they have not been very good at reaching the general public the, those 80 uh, percent non-hunters in in the middle of our democracies who are not really against hunting they're not really for hunting so Both sides of of the debate are are, are pulling in these people, but the anti-hunters have been much more clever at at pulling than we have, and they have been doing it for a lot longer than we have. So so we need, and and we're still experimenting, we really need to find ways to get our message across to to that general public. And, And honestly, I don't think that the hunting organizations have been very good at that. Oh, if, you, if you ask anybody in the street, do you know the SCI, they will not know what, and, and it's even worse here in Europe, our big hunting organizations um, are completely unknown to the non-hunters, and, and some of them actually even to the hunters. Um, you know
1: what, I've got this crazy idea. And I actually mm-hmm. talked to my team a little bit. When I say team, my, my, the yeah. guy that works with me, two of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like, I have a dog under the table. There we go. <laughs> I said to him, I said, wouldn't it be cool? And we did some investigating in Australia for duck mm-hmm. hunting because they are under a, a massive duck hunting push right now from the Antis yeah. and the Animal Justice Party. I said, wouldn't it be cool to have a fund, $100,000 sitting in a fund, in which we could take ads out in newspapers anywhere in the world yeah. at a moment's notice just like yeah. me very nimble reach out to jens jens reaches out to us and says hey we've got uh, you know something controversial is coming like we've got a wolf season that's about to open we know the antis are going to slam us down the throat mm-hmm. let's put an ad in the newspaper now that runs for two weeks that is everything about what hunters are doing in in sweden yeah. What an idea, right? It's out of yeah. the box, but it requires money. Yeah. But that's the tactics of the other side. It is,
0: and they have money. That's the difference. Because uh, for, for some reason, especially in Europe, but I think it's a worldwide problem, but for some reason, uh, raising funds for what you and I do is extremely difficult. Uh, one good example is that here in Europe, we have an organization called FACE. It's sort of an uh, umbrella organization that is, is, is above all the uh, National Hunting associations. So all National Hunting Associations are members of FACE, and FACE's job is primarily to represent hunting in relation to uh, the EU, the politicians there. Um, and they're also supposed to do a little bit about uh, of public information issues as, as, as you and I do. But they're not doing a lot of that. But they're very good at the lobbying part. But we are 7 million hunters in Europe. And the total budget of base, which have existed for decades I don't even know how long, maybe 40 years or something the total budget of base is, as I recall it, round about a million euro. It's nothing. It's nothing. So each European hunter is actually not even contributing through his uh, membership fees to national hunting organizations a single euro. You know,
1: and that's I mean, where the other it side has like, side. the other side has two things that okay. I wish we had. Number one, mm-hmm. ze- and both of them are they're, they're zealots at both of them. Number one is giving, giving mm-hmm. money to the cause that they love. Yeah. Number two is those guys are zealots when it comes to sharing content. Like when Jens Jurekho puts a video out, it should be 100,000 views. It should have 200,000 views. It should have 300 comments. It should have mm-hmm. you know, 1,000 likes, just like when Peter put something out or HSUS put something yeah. out, or, or any of these guys put it out. But what happens? We get 1,000 views, 2,000 yeah. views, 20 comments, mm-hmm. because the hunters see it, and they're just are like, oh, that's pretty good. They don't yeah. see it as, oh, this is our, our voice. Let's push our voice. Let's amplify our voice out. Yeah. Our mentality isn't that way. No. I,
0: I think a lot of hunters are not seeing this as an ongoing fight. I think our opponents are very aware that they're fighting a big battle against us. But we as hunters... Are typically not seeing it that way and I, I think that 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 fact has 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 a lot of of it, it stops us from being very active on on an individual level um, we as
1: hunters tend to just hide in the closets don't open the door leave us alone yeah, and yeah. if you do open the door and punch us in the nose then we'll come out yeah exactly
0: it's, it's very true and and i mean it's 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 a growing problem and it, it, it saturates the entire hunting industry because take take the big companies uh, who basically are making all their money on hunters how much are they contributing to the fight for the future of hunting and i mean there's there's, there's plenty of directions they can throw their money in but it's not really happening especially in europe I'm pretty sure that, that the, the, the big hunting companies in, in, in Europe, the, the gun producers, the uh, clothing producers, the, uh, the hunting tour agencies and stuff like that, it's rare that they are supporting any kind of political fight for the future of hunting. It's just not happening. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's a little bit strange to me because if hunting goes away, they go away. I mean, it's, it's, it's their entire future as well. Um, and, and, and again, what I feel is that there's, there's a bit of difference uh, between Europe and the U.S. in that mentality because big companies in the U.S. Um, typically uh, supports politicians and organizations and what have you that are fighting their cause. But in the Europe, not so much. It's it's slowly slowly grow, growing, but from a very very low level, and um, it's it's uh, it's it's difficult to find the money, and it's it's crazy because as I said before, we are seven million hunters in Europe alone. I I once calculated that we must be about thirty million hunters, recreational hunters, in the world, um, and we're also passionate about this. I mean, if 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 everybody as a natural thing, just contributed what what's equivalent cost of a cup of coffee. Yeah, a, a cup of coffee or a, a cartridge for the rifle or whatever, we would have plenty of funds to do what we want to do. But but right now we are extremely limited by lack of funds. It, it, there's very very little that we can do i mean everybody you have a lot of ideas i have a lot of ideas i'm sure there's plenty of people good people out there who has a lot of ideas but we are just very very limited by the uh, complete lack of funding um which is too bad well so, so um,
1: we we're going to figure pressure. it out and we're yeah. going to try and raise more money and we're going to try and keep pushing the stone every single day and Absolutely. Uh, Jens, have, I am. Go ahead.
0: We have one big advantage to the uh, over the anti-hunters. And that is that we actually have the truth on our side. So we do not have to remember what we said yesterday. Because we we know what we said yesterday. I mean, if we if we're not lying, it gets a lot easier.
1: Well said. Well said. And I think that's a great place to end it because my dogs are about to start barking like crazy (laughs) and uh but Jens I just wanted to say thank you I I just applaud you and I'm a big fan of yours and likewise thank you for putting your shoulder behind the stone every single day for us and hunters and and our heritage my man likewise and uh yeah we will never we will never cave in so and we like what we do which is a big advantage exactly well look you have a phenomenal friday Uh, take care of your wife and uh, go have another beer since you started at 11 o'clock today of course thank you very much talk to you soon bye bye well that's it for today i appreciate you listening as always leave a review share it with your friends and most importantly do what's right to convey the truth around hunting Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water. Presented by Costa Custom Boats. Every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.